What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Well, one time they asked Abraham Lincoln, how long will he talk on a subject? He said, well, it depends on how much time I have to prepare. If I have to talk right now, it's going to be a long talk. But if you give me time to weed some things out, then it'll be okay. One time they asked Dave Schultz, I said, how long are you going to preach? I said, it depends on how good the music is right before I preach. So folks, we could be here a while because that was some good singing. Thank you for that. Um, But seriously, folks, though, giving me Psalms 119 to preach from and then saying pick a few verses, that's like taking a five-year-old boy, putting him in the biggest candy store in the world and say pick two pieces. (laughs) I spent the majority of my time trying to eliminate the things I wasn't going to preach on. Interesting, though, Pastor Brian came out with Psalms 119 and said, and we're going to speak on hope. My principal last week handed me uh, one verse, and that was from Psalms 119 and had the word hope in it. Had no doubt where I was going. Psalms 119 and verse 47, if you'll stand in honor of the word of God, we'll read a few verses and then we will fly. Psalms 119, verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me, in, had me greatly in derision, yet I have not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of, the, because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for a church that stands on the inspired, errant, infallible, preserved words of God, for a pastor who believes it, to a church that loves it. We thank you for it. Help me as I try to encourage this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, you're seated. Now, when I preach, I like to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. We know that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But we also know from Psalms 138 that thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. This morning, in order to lift up the living word, Jesus, I'm going to spend a few moments lifting up the written word that he might be that much more glorified. My title of my message this morning is this, Hope in His Word from Psalms 119. Now, some commentaries have suggested that Psalms 119 was written during the reign of David, but others take a much later date and insist that it was written 
during or after the Babylonian exile. Using verses like 161, princes have persecuted me without a cause, as evidence that the context was about heartache and suffering due to foreign powers having control over the people. I disagree with the later date. I believe in the early dates. But I do agree with their synopsis that Psalms 119 was written during a time of heartache and struggle and pain because of verses like 134. Deliver. And if you have your Bible open, just look at the verses so we can roll. 134. Deliver me from the oppression of men. 143. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. 153. Consider mine affliction. 157. Many are my persecutors and my enemies. And every single time the psalmist has the same response. So will I keep thy precepts. Yet thy commandments are my delights. 153, for I do not forget thy law. 157, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. Now before we get to the main message, I've got some preliminary points that must be understood to get the point of this passage. Preliminary point number one is this. The psalmist has a high opinion of the Word of God. The psalmist has a high opinion of the Word of God. Look at verse 48. He says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. Go back one verse. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Look at verse 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. The psalmist, I have written in my notes from 47 to 56, he delighted in the Word. He worshipped the Word. He hoped in the Word. He did not decline from the Word. He was comforted by the Word. He sung the Word, and he kept the Word. The psalmist has a high opinion of Scripture. Here's what he said in 162. I rejoice, 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Which would you be more excited about? Finding some truths in this book or finding a thousand bucks on the sidewalk? Here's what the psalmist said in verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. So here's the choice for you this morning. If I could, I can't, but if I could, and I laid five million bucks right down on this side of the, of the podium, of the platform, and I laid a King James Bible right down right here, and I said, you can take either one with you on the way home. Which one are you going to choose? Which one are you going to choose? Most of you are thinking, I'm going to choose the five million bucks and buy me a whole bunch of King James Bibles. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but before you make that choice, let me tell you the testimony of a few people that made the wrong choice. William Post III, a $16.2 million lottery winner, was in $500,000 in debt and filed for bankruptcy in less than five years. Alex Rhonda Toth, a $13 million lottery winner. The couple, Alex and Rhonda, the couple accepted payments for 20 years and in 1990, but filed bankruptcy in 2006, enduring a sleuth of legal expenses resulting from family drama and ended up in prison for tax evasion. 
Billy Bob Harold Jr., $31 million lottery winner. He took his own life less than two years after winning the lottery. Jeanette Lee, $18 million winner, filed for bankruptcy with $700 to her name, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars to her gambling addiction that started after she won the lottery. I may not be able to manage that money. I may lose it all. I may lose my family, my friends. I may develop an addiction. I may wind up in jail. I may lose my peace. I may lose my life. But if I choose this book, it'll help me manage my friends. It'll help me find the right friends. It'll help me manage my family. It'll help me break addictions. It will give me true peace because it's the way to God. Five million bucks or the King James Bible. The psalmist makes it clear, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. So my preliminary point was this, the psalmist has a high opinion of the Word of God. Preliminary point number two, the scriptures themselves have a high opinion of the Word of God. Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in all the Bible, already mentioned by Pastor Brian. And it just happens to be about the Word of God. Verse 1 says this, at the end of verse 1, it says, In the law of the Lord. That's a reference to the Word of God. Verse 2, his testimonies, that's a reference to the Word of God. Verse 3, his ways. Verse 4, thy precepts. Verse 5, thy statutes. Verse 6, thy commandments. Verse 7, thy righteous judgments. Verse 16, thy word. The entirety of Psalms 119 is about the Word of God. The longest book in the Bible. The Scriptures themselves have a high opinion of the Scriptures. Now, out of the 176 verses, there are a few that don't reference the Bible explicitly. In fact, we've been going through 119 on Wednesday nights with the young people, and their assignment was to read it and come back with the verses that don't explicitly reference it, and they came up with five verses. You can do that for homework and see if you get any more. I figure if you find all the negatives, you'll, be, you'll have grabbed onto all the positives in there. That tells me two things. Number one, 171 verses about the Word of God. Um, the psalmist, I mean, the Scriptures have a high opinion of the Scriptures. But number two, um, also, the Scriptures have a high opinion of the Scriptures. Hebrews says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Second Timothy, about the Scriptures, it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, before Israel went into the most prosperous and successful land in all the world, God commanded them, This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein, and then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt be successful. He said it wasn't the land that made them prosperous. It wasn't what was in the, where they lived, but it was the law of the Lord that would make them prosperous. The psalmist in Psalm 19 said, The words of the Lord are pure words of silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. And Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So my question is, do you have a high opinion of the scriptures? Do you hold the scriptures in high regard like the psalmist and like the scriptures themselves? I believe this church does have a high opinion of the scriptures. But I'm not talking about putting it in a prominent place on your shelf. 
or having the family Bible in the middle of your coffee table. I'm not talking about every time you walk by, you take your hat off and you salute it. Those are all fine, but I'm talking about reading it, loving it, believing it, sharing it, allowing it to build you up. And I believe this church does have a high opinion, but I guess my application question to you is, does it show? Does it show up in your life? Does it come before the latest novel or TV show? Or are the scriptures the topic of conversation before and after church? Are they topic of conversation around the table? Dinner table. And how often do you read it? Have you read it? I've said this before, I'll say it again. Four pages a day will get you through the average Bible. Four pages a day. Eight pages a day will get you through the average Bible once a year. Let me finish that statement. <laughs> Four pages a day will get you through the average Bible in one year. Eight pages a day, twice in a year. How long have you been saved? 30 years? Well... I'm not a mathematician, but 30 times 2 is 60, right? 60 times if you're doing 8 pages a day. Now, we know, and Pastor Brian has reminded us over and over again, that it's not about finishing it. It's not about how much you read. It's how much it transforms your life. But if you're not reading it, then I go back to the question. I say, is it a priority in your life? Do you have a high opinion of the Scriptures? In order to lift this book up and put it in its proper place, sometimes you've got to take some other stuff and put it down where it belongs. Why? I'll tell you why. Uh, because this, because the Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When science in this book disagrees, just throw out science and keep this book. Beware of science falsely so-called. When man's opinion disagrees with this book, throw out man's opinion and trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Look at verse 100. He said, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. When the, when the latest novel becomes more important to you than this book, throw out the novel and keep this book. When you get more comfort from chicken soup for the soul, take it and throw it in the garbage and pick up Psalms 119 and start reading it. Do you hold the scriptures in high regard? Do you believe it? Do you read it? Do you trust it? If not, why not? If it doesn't mean everything to you, why not? The psalmist holds it in high regard. The scriptures themselves hold it in high regard. Our church holds it in high regard. Why does it not show up in some of our lives? Now to our main points of our sermon. My thesis is this, during trials and tribulations, we hold, we hope in the Word of God because it gives us direction, comfort, and understanding. During trials and tribulations, we hope in the Word of God because it gives us direction, comfort, and understanding. Number one, during trials and tribulations, we find hope from Psalms 119 because the Word gives us direction. Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I... Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy wor the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The first thing I want to say about that is if we get our light out, we have two, uh, two most flashlights, at least the original mag light, had two different types of lights. We had a spotlight and we have a floodlight. The, the floodlight gives us light all over, right? 
And the spotlight gives us very specific light. And so the first thing I want to say is that the scriptures are a floodlight telling us how to live and how to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know the Romans road tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This book is no good to us without the Spirit of God living in us, helping us understand it. If you've got a religious book and it can't tell you how to get to heaven, just throw it out. The Book of Mormon, throw it out. The Quran, get rid of it. The Vedas and the Puranas, throw them out. All so-called sacred books say you work your way to heaven. But this book says, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It says, lay apart all superfluity and naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. When our family got COVID this summer, we lost our sense of taste. We lost our taste and smell. Highly concerned me. I've got these strange chemical sensitivities. I get very sick around construction, uh, construction things, glues and paints and all that kind of stuff. I get very sick. And so I thought, boy, if I don't have my taste and smell, I won't know why I'm sick and I won't know to move out of it. And so I prayed God would give me my taste, senses, my taste and smell back. And one thing we did was we started increasing our vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D, taking some more zinc, and we started taking cod liver oil. Well, if you ever had that, you know cod liver oil tastes absolutely terrible, right? Well, I got my taste and smell back, and I was like, yes, thank you, Lord, woo -hoo. But my wife hadn't got it back yet. And each morning she's getting up, taking a cod liver oil, and she's like, okay, okay. She gets her cod liver oil back. I mean, she takes her cod liver oil. And then one morning, I'm praying for her because I've got mine back and I'm worried about her and I'm praying and praying, God, give it back. She goes in there, she takes her cod liver and she goes, oh, this is terrible. And I said, thank you, Jesus, she's got it back. You know, I didn't care what food tasted like after that. I was just glad I could taste it. I walked in the bathroom. Uh, our water was out during the time we had COVID for two weeks. It was miserable. I walked in the bathroom, and the bathroom didn't smell very good. And I'm just like, I'm just glad I can smell it. <laughs> during the trials and tribulations of life, when life begins to stink, when you've lost your job and you can't pay your bills, it's okay. I'm just glad I'm on my way to heaven. When the trials and tribulations come your way, and the, the taste you get the bad taste of life. People stab you in the back. They speak evil of you, unfairly of you. It's okay. I'm just glad I'm on my way to heaven. When life gets hard and we lose a loved one, it's hard to go on. But I'm just glad I'm on my way to heaven. Not only does the Word of God act like a floodlight to give us direction to heaven, it works like a spotlight. I'm sorry. Yeah, floodlight. It also works like a spotlight giving us specific direction in how to live. Okay, it's not um, rocket surgery or brain science if you got your light out. You walk in the lighted area and don't walk in the darkness. Don't walk in the shadows. Stay in the light as he is in the light. I've got this floodlight, uh, I mean, I've got this light at my house, and it's pointed just at the concrete steps leading up to my porch. And in case you leave the lights off, Right? You can see that. You can go across the concrete steps and you can get up on the porch and then turn the light on that lights everything. 
Well, the other night, I don't know what happened. It was raining or something, and it got turned sideways, and so no sun was hitting it, and so it was dark. And as I got out of the car, I'm walking up to it. I hear this crunch, and like, that's because I missed the step. I stepped right on the stupid light. It wasn't producing any light. What good does it do to have the light of the world inside of us and the book that directs our life if it not turned on, if we're not following it, if we step outside the light over and over again? What good does it do to have God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, preserved word of God and not follow it and not stay in the light and stay in fellowship with him and obey his commandments? It doesn't do any good at all. When we are daily in the Word, the light of the Word of God can be concentrated in front of us, giving us direction. There's some things we do as believers that others don't do. And there's some things we don't do as believers that others do. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. The Bible says, Abstain from all appearances of evil. Look at verse 9. In your passage. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereunto, according to thy word. If you're a young person and you want to know how to live, take heed according to thy word. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How important is the book to you, the word of God? Do you hide it in your heart that you can live according to it? The Word of God gives us direction to live a holy life. If you're in school or you remember being in school, there were times when you had to study for a test, a big major test. And you couldn't go out with your friends. You were not doing something that they were doing because you were looking for a greater reward. You traded immediate gratification for long-term results. All the more we do that. We stick to God's word knowing our reward in heaven is so much greater than the small things that we give up. The Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. But it doth not yet appear we shall be. But we know that we shall be like him. The small things we give up in this life are so small compared to the greatness of what we'll have in heaven. When the world's not sure why they're here or what life is all about, we've got a light that just points. We just take one more step. Don't look out in the darkness. Don't get worried about it. Just take one more small step and keep on moving. We're looking for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Verse 29, it says this. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. In verse 85, proud have, the proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. We're commanded, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not only do we do some things as believers that others don't, we don't and we don't do some things that others would do. Now don't get me wrong, on Sunday morning... Man, I would love to sleep in, okay? I really would. I really would. I get up 5.30 all week and Saturday morning, I, for some reason, I wake up at 5.30. I'm like, no, go back to bed. 
brain, go back to bed. But for some reason, Sunday morning, it's a piece of cake sleep in. I don't know what that's all about. I would like to sleep in. In the summer, I'd love to go to the lake instead of coming to church. I'm just going to throw them all out there for you, Pastor Brian. Pray for me. But I know the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I know that what I'm going to get here is better than what I'm going to get out there any day of the week. And you know we're going to do some things that others don't do. I don't really, there's some jobs I just don't want to do. I really don't want to be a dentist. Dentists got to stick their hands in somebody's germy mouth. And that's so awkward to begin with. And then they have this weird conversation. Well, you got your hand in your mouth. It's, I mean, that's just weird. I really don't want to be a doctor. The subject of malpractice suits. But let me tell you, there's a couple of times I wouldn't mind being a dentist. There's a couple of times I wouldn't mind being a doctor. I wouldn't mind being a dentist or doctor on payday. <laughs> that wouldn't bother me a bit if I could just pick up their check and they go back to what I'm doing. We will avoid doing things because God's word says to, and we have the promise that he will call out to us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Number two, during trials and tribulations, we find hope from Psalms 119 because the word gives us comfort. Reading the word of God and the promises of God gives us comfort. Verse 50, he said this, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Quickened just an old English word which means alive. Okay, that old movie, The Quick and the Dead. You were either quick with the draw or you were dead. You were, it was a play on words, so you either fast or you were dead and you were alive or dead. There's really nothing else. Just an old English word means alive. We know that we are alive from the scriptures. I won't repeat that because I'm running out of time. John, 1 John 3, 14 says that we, but we also know that we're saved because what? The Spirit of God has done in our lives. 1 John 3, 14, we know we passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We know we passed from death, death unto life. We know we're saved because of our changed life. Because the way the scriptures have changed our lives, that comforts us that we have eternal life. Verse 52 says this, I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted my soul. He said, I remember what you promised. I remember what you declared. I remember what you said, and it comforted my soul. We are comforted by reading the Bible, and the scriptures remind us that we've already won the battle. We've already won the battle. It's already over. We read the Bible, and it says, shortly Jesus will bruise the head of Satan. We read the end of the Bible, and we find out that Jesus is coming back. We find out we'll reign and rule with him. We find out we were right all along when he comes. 81, verse 81 seems a little sad at first. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. He said, my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I looked around. For you to do what you promised. I looked around to see how you were going to help me. I looked around and what's God doing and I can't find anything. And he said, but I hoped in this world, his word. I knew it was going to come true. I had absolute certainty that it would come to fruition. I hoped in thy word. 54, thy statutes have been my songs in the house 
of my pilgrimage. If you don't get comfort from, song, from songs, I don't know where you get comfort from. The world has perverted it and changed it into songs that make us sad. And we say, okay, well, we like sad songs because that's how we're feeling. No, we need comfort. We need to be brought to the scriptures. He said, my statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. He said he sang the word of God. He sang about the righteousness of God. He sang about his salvation. He sang, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you're supposed to be singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in your spirit. It's okay if it overflows a little bit. It's okay if it comes out. Kids at school think I'm crazy. I'm walking around singing all the time. and they, What are you doing, Mr. Schultz? Because I'm mumbling to myself. I'm just singing the scripture. It's all I'm doing. Just living the life. In the midst of trials and tribulations and heartache and suffering, the psalmist declared this, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Could you imagine walking through trials and tribulations, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, dealing with heartache and pain, lost loved ones, and then turning to the book and saying, Oh, I mean, the Bible, it's okay and... It's got a few issues and problems. I mean, you can't really trust most of it. Just kind of made up stories. Therefore, that servant loveth it. Are you kidding me? You must come to it believing it. It's the only hope you have at this time in this moment. You come to it and it points you to the God of the universe. It points you to the hope that you have and the return of Christ. A young person recently told me, they said, they said, our family went through trials and tribulations and heartache. And you know, Mr. Schultz, when they do that, families should come together and get strong. But you know what my family did? He said, they fell apart. My parents got divorced and they fell apart. Trials and tribulations should bring us to God's word. It should bring us to the point where we must read the Bible, that we need to read the Bible, that we must drink it in. But the problem is we should not walk away from it when time is good when things are good. Recently, I told my students about some memories of 9-11. And one of those memories of 9-11, I told them, in times of trial and tribulation, America came together. America helped their neighbors. Oh, they, they, were, they did what they could. Even when they weren't affected, so to speak, here, they still did everything they could to help their neighbors. I said, another thing I noticed after that, during that time and after that time, churches opened up in the mornings for prayer time, at lunch for prayer time, in the evenings for prayer time. I was an associate pastor in a church in Arkansas at the time, and we had prayer meetings. But I told them something else I noticed. After about six, seven, eight, nine weeks, church all shut, at least for the extra services. People stopped. I don't know individually if they stopped praying or not. I don't know but I do know as a country, we just bent back to life as normal. It should drive us. The trials and tribulations drive us to reach out to the word, which is our only hope, according to the psalmist. He said, my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. And then thirdly, <laughs> during trials and tribulations, we find hope from Psalms 119 because the word gives us understanding. The Word helps us understand why we're going through trials. 
It may not tell you exactly why, but it reminds us those who he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And some of the things we go through conform us to the image of his son. Look at verse 73. Verse 73 says this, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Look at verse 102. 102 says, I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. He didn't give up because he knows the truth is found in the words of God. And we've already looked at 99 and 100 saying he has more understanding than all his teachers. He knows more than the ancients because his meditations are the very words of God. Look at verse 130. It says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. The word of God gives us understanding. James 1 makes it clear that in times of trials and tribulations, if any man lack wisdom, let us ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. He will give us the answers. We should be coming to the word of God, begging and asking, let us Behold wondrous things from thy law. Well, I had a lot more to say, but uh, time's coming to the end. I will say this. You know old David and Goliath? Remember those guys? Remember old David, king of Israel? But before he became king, he was just a little boy, and he fought that giant. The battle between David and Goliath wasn't just the greatest underdog story in the history of the world. It wasn't just a giant versus small boy. It wasn't just a story of a great warrior against an inexperienced warrior. Look at the rest of 161. It says, I stand in awe of thy word. It was a battle of a giant who stood in derision of God's word and a little boy who stood in awe of God's word. It was a battle about a giant who made fun of God's word and a little boy who loved God's word and followed God's word and lived for God's word. It was about a man, a giant, who trusted in his own armor and a little boy who said the battle is the Lord's. It was truly a battle between a man who didn't care about the word and a boy who had found great treasure and great honor in the Word. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for everything you do at our church and for all the people are here this morning. I ask that so many verses were mentioned and read, but some of it just sinks down in their hearts and it's soaked in. And if I encourage them just a little bit to make your Word that much more important in their lives, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.
keep the faith. 